Just before I start today, I want to thank you again for those of you who are helping me to meet the costs of the podcasts. I'm very appreciative of your support and also that you are still interested and listen to my podcasts. So pass on the the, new, the knowledge, the news about this podcast if you think somebody else might benefit. So today on the 14th Sunday of Ordinary Time, I suggest that we reflect on humility. Just before the section of St Matthew's Gospel that we hear today at Holy Mass, our Lord has travelled through several towns where he was rejected. These places included Capernaum, where he had lived in his adult life and his ministry time. And just like Nazareth, where he grew up, they had also rejected him earlier on. It seems that knowing him is no way, no sure way to accept him. And from his own words today, we are told that judgment will be more severe upon those who know him but reject him. That could give us and should give us cause for reflection. The words of his prayer to the Father that we hear in the Gospel today pray for and praise those who do receive him, and this includes his disciples, because they have the humility of mere children. So what is humility that Jesus praises and appreciates in his disciples? Humility is a moral virtue, a virtue of the will, that involves the knowledge that we are what we are and are not to think more of ourselves than facts warrant. Behind every act of humility is reverence for God. The inward disposition of humility has outward manifestations, which in many cases are expressive of modesty. Some writers, like St. Benedict, enumerate degrees of humility according to inner disposition and outer sign. If we look at the English word humility, it comes to us from the Latin language, the word humilitas, meaning abasement, itself coming from the Latin word humus, or ground. Thus, humility brings us down to the earth, as we might say. Since behind every act of humility is reverence for God, here is another occasion to remind ourselves of the fittingness of genuflection before the tabernacle. If a person believes, as the Church has always and everywhere taught, that God himself is present personally and truly in the Blessed Sacrament, then why would that person not lower themselves to the ground in humility and reverence? Each bending the knee and humbling oneself fosters love for the Eucharistic Jesus and is an act of reparation for one's sins. 
Humility is also the moral virtue that keeps a person from reaching beyond himself. Clearly, there are some ways in which it is good to reach beyond oneself, for example, by improving in anything which is good. But reaching beyond oneself can go wrong. People can have an unruly desire for personal greatness, which leads to a love of themselves based on a false appreciation of their position with respect to God and others. To put it another way, someone could be trying to give herself a status she doesn't actually have, and and this is foolish. Religious humility recognises one's total dependence on God, while moral humility recognises one's equality of dignity with others. So how can we grow in humility? Well, as mentioned before, St. Benedict, the founder of Western monasticism, laid down in his famous rule 12 steps for a monk to grow in the virtue of humility. Here are a few of them, summarised and adapted for lay people today. Consciously obey all of God's commandments and his holy will. Obediently and appropriately submit to those persons in authority over you. End your difficulties without complaining inwardly or outwardly. Regularly confess your sins and the good you did not do in the sacrament of penance. Admit to yourself you are full of faults and not all that special. Restrain yourself from speaking and say only what is necessary. We cannot leave out in our consideration of humility the image that our Lord uses for our instruction today in the Gospel. He asks us to take upon ourselves his yoke. But what is a yoke? A yoke is a cross piece that is fastened over the necks of two animals and is attached to a plough that they both pull. The yoke is a very practical and effective piece of equipment. By connecting the two animals, it provides a balance to the efforts of each animal. Each animal will work together, produce together, walk the same path, and the strong one will aid the weaker or tired one. The yoke was a heavy piece that took some effort to properly set up and to carry. Jesus offers us his own yoke, a different sort of yoke, a yoke that is light and easy to carry. Christ understands that life for many people is often strenuous, difficult and tiresome, and we often go off the path through sinning. This is why Jesus offers us his yoke. He wants to join us with him, to walk beside us and to carry us 
when we are tired or despondent or simply lost. And much like that physical yoke, which is used to plough and produce an, a full and abundant harvest when the time is right, the yoke of Jesus does the same, except this harvest is bountiful beyond our imagination. This harvest, when we take the yoke of Christ, is that of peace, purpose, self-surrender to our Lord, as we cultivate and prepare ourselves for eternal life. The Lord offers rest, not in the physical sense, but in the sense that anxiety, fear, pride and doubt can all be dispelled from our life. We certainly do learn humility from the one who is gentle and humble of heart.